What's up, guys? We're all trying to keep our distance these days, which can be tough on agencies. If you are only offering your clients the option to pay by paper check, someone has to be in the office. Let me recommend an alternative to that. It's ePay Policy, a fantastic service that I've grown to depend on in my business. They are an agency-centric solution that helps you easily accept virtual checks and credit cards. And getting set up with them is a breeze. Go to ePayPolicy.com, use the code IGPODCAST. That is I. G podcast, and you're going to get your first month free. ePay Policy gets the insurance guy's seal of approval. They are a great company. I use them in my agency. I would highly recommend them. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner, and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama. Parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I have been researching Teslas since about Mm. eight o'clock last night. I have. Let me I'm tell you good. something. I want to li- talk to the 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this right now. I have never in my entire life heard someone call me as excited as when a client of Mr. Bradley Flowers rolls up to Portal Insurance in Mobile, Alabama in a Tesla and looks at Bradley and says, Hey, man, you want to drive it? And Bradley's like, Yeah, yeah, I do. He's sending videos of the car, picking them up in the parking lot with nobody driving it. I FaceTimed like four people while we were, while we were in the car. This is a testimony to Bradley guys. You need to hear this. So I'm on the phone and he's telling me all about this car and he's telling me all the great things it does. And I said, well, Bradley, just, you, I know you can afford it. Go out there and go buy you one. He goes, no, man, I ain't buying it till I can pay cash for it. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I guess we all have to wait for Bradley. Bradley, how long is that going to take? How many insurance policies y'all going to have to sell before you can pay cash for a new Tesla? We've got more important things in the agency right now, so it's going to be a while. I understand. Guys, we are proud to be here today. I am. I don't know that any of you kind of will ever know how excited and humbled I am to have our guest on the podcast today. And I'm not going to get emotional, and I'm not going to start crying. because yes, I prom- Well, I, you're probably right. But let me say this, I got in the insurance industry in 2008 and I did not know shit from shampoo. And somebody handed me a book one day. I'd been in the insurance business not long, probably six months. And the book was entitled Game Plan. And it was written for young insurance agents that were getting into the industry. And I used that book as the hallmark, as the as kind of the standard that I started my agency with. And I tried to follow the rules and the stories and the lessons that were in that book. And I don't think that I would be where I am today and have all the offices and all the employees and all the shit that I have to deal with. Thanks, by the way. <laughs> uh, if it had not been for that particular book that I read when I started my career. So I am humbled to have him on the podcast today. 
and I want to give him the introduction that he has always deserved. Ladies and gentlemen, he was born, raised, and lives in Houston, Texas. He is a 1988 graduate of Texas A&M University and played as the 12th man on Texas A&M's football team. He is married to the beautiful Lisa, and he serves as both the president and CEO of Essential, a private risk management, insurance, and financial services firm, which was founded in 1993. He has grown Essential from a startup to a $100 million firm with over 100 associates and 20 offices. Over the past 27 years, he has established himself as a business consultant, a thought leader in the field of both entrepreneurship, risk management, and financial services. He is a speaker, author of my personal favorite book that has ever come out in the insurance industry, and holds his series six, seven, 24, 63, and 65 security licenses. He is a first ballot insurance industry Hall of Famer. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you first-time guest on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Warren Barhorst. How you doing, Warren? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me. Good to see uh, you two guys. Going to be having a little fun today talking about insurance and uh, what we can do to survive all this crazy shit going on in the world. <laughs> hey, I have got four hours of questions to ask you in one hour. I can attest to how excited Scott is. Scott, I don't know that you remember this, but you mentioned Warren's name in one of our first podcasts ever. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure which one. I think it was the first one we did in studio together. The excitement that the listeners and Warren are hearing right now is is real genuine excitement. I had that effect on women. You know, I the first time I ever met my wife, I was walking through class. I heard said, man, I got to get me some of that. I looked over. I thought she was talking to me, but I think it was a, the guacamole and the nacho chips or something that she was going after. But. Hey, Warren, I want to read a passage from your book that I based my entire agency and my career on as an insurance agent. And I have, I have a story to tell about this, but guys, I want to read a passage of the book called Game Plan that came out in 2008. And for all of you 250,000 listeners, the largest insurance podcast in the industry here. If you're a new agent, maybe you've only been in the industry for a year or two, go out and go to Amazon, buy the book Game Plan. It is still relevant today. I still go back and look at it, but I want to read you a passage that has been the hallmark of my entire career in insurance. Then I want to talk to you about it for just a second. So here it goes. Nevertheless, the goal for all salespeople should be to make a strong first impression, to start a conversation, to develop some kind of personal relationship. It may take years for you to make a sale to that person, and it may never happen. But eventually, the ultimate goal from a sales perspective is to be viewed by that person in such a positive light that he or she comes to you with questions. Rarely have I ever asked one of my friends family members, associates, neighbors, fellow church members to purchase an insurance policy from me. In fact, the secret to my success as a salesperson is that I spend very little time involved in what most people would consider sales mode. Marketing mode, yes. Bradley, that speaks to you, by the way. Relationship building approach, absolutely. But selling, asking for business, 
not unless the time is absolutely right. And here it comes, guys. Here's what I based my entire career as an insurance agent on, and I'm going to tell you where it started as soon as I finish this. My neighbors know me as the insurance guy. Let me say that again. My neighbors know me as the insurance guy. So do my friends at the gym and at the church. They know what I do, and they also know that I have never pushed a policy on them. They've watched me. They've grown to trust me, and they've learned that they can come to me with insurance questions. But even when they ask me a question at church, in the front yard, or in the gym, I don't leap at them and whip out a contract. I answer their questions. I listen to their personal situations, and I offer them advice. This is how I would want to be treated. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you what I did. I read those three paragraphs in the book, Game Plan. And the moment that I read it, I closed the book. Those are pages 94, 95. I went to godaddy.com and I bought within 20 minutes of reading those passages, I purchased the domain name, the insurance guy online. Dot com, And for five years, I marketed myself all over North Alabama as the insurance guy. And I can't tell you how much business I got from that. And one of the things that nearly makes me cry every time I see somebody that I know is when I'm in a restaurant and somebody walks by me and they go, hey, there's the insurance guy. So Warren, I have to say thank you to you because those two pages and what I just read has been the hallmark of everything I've ever done in the insurance business. Thank you. That's very, very nice of you. You know, it, it's funny. I used to challenge people and still do to this day that, you know, they asked me why I would share that knowledge with them. And I would goad them on by saying, because I know you won't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. Scott, you're a testament to somebody who believes in another theory that I have, which is steal everything you can from other people and cut the learning curve way off the time that it takes to do it. Why, you know, innovation is about taking somebody else's idea and making it better. Absolutely. That's one of the smartest things I've ever heard anybody say. And I told an agent recently, the biggest misconception about myself in the industry is that I'm tech savvy. I'm not tech savvy. I just ask the people who are tech savvy to tell me how to do it. Yeah. Right. That's being coachable. You know, it's an interesting, it's interesting because most people aren't coachable, right? If the coach tells you how to run the play and you don't follow his, his direction, you're never going to get to play because you don't follow his direction. If you just go to your peer group, ask them a few questions, you'll get some pretty good advice and go apply it to your business. But right. so many of us are, are so ego driven that oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it that way. You have to give into that temptation that you're right and let somebody else tell you that this is the simplest way to do it. I've already done the homework. Hey, Warren, I got to ask this question out of the gate. That book came out 13 years ago. And as you think back to when you wrote that book versus where we are today with the insurance industry, just in general, and, and how things have changed over the years, what do you think the biggest difference is if you were going to rewrite that book today, what do you think the biggest difference is in the industry? I think the carriers have changed, but I don't think the business has changed. Mm. 
there's really a lot, and we're already feeling it, but there's gonna, there's a lot of pressure on, on compensation. That pressure is going to continue to be there. They're going to, they're always going to be looking for a more effective way to try to distribute the product. The reality is they can't do it without people like uh, you and I and Bradley out uh, talking to people and building trust. You know, consumers just don't understand what their exposures are. Mm. So they, if, you, if you look at the world, and when I was playing football at A&M, I loved it. You know, South Texas thunderstorm would come in because the coach would say, go to the house, right? When you're mm-hmm. playing for a Bear Bryant uh, protege, Jackie Sherrill, right? He would send you to the house. If the thunderstorm passed, he would put you back on the football field. So you went in and you didn't go to training. You didn't get ice. You didn't take a shower. You put your street clothes on and you ran, right? And you left because you know you're going to go back on the football field, right? Right. Well, there's only a one in 10,000 chance of getting struck by lightning, right? There's a one in a thousand chance of your car being stolen, but everybody locks their car when they come into the, the thing. But there's a hundred a hundred out of a hundred chance of you dying and nobody buys the right amount of life insurance. Right. I mean, we're all focused on this stuff that never happens. We're worried about our house burning down. There's about a two percent chance in a 30-year mortgage your house is gonna burn down, but there's a twenty-six percent chance it's gonna flood. Buy the flood insurance before you buy the fire insurance. Right. And we just we focus on all the wrong things. And because of that, we're always gonna need somebody like us to convince people to do the right thing. I just don't think the computer is going to be able to create demand like we can. And, and as long as you add value to the distribution channel, you're always going to have a place in this marketplace. And that's pretty evident by what's going on. You know, if you look at the valuation of, of an Allstate or Progressive, they might trade at eight to 15 times their earnings. And you look at a valuation of a Brown and Brown or some other publicly traded company, and it's probably trading at five times gross revenue, maybe 30 times its earnings. So the distribution system's much more valuable than the risk side of the business being the insurance carriers themselves. The private equity people have figured that out. That's why there's so much aggregation going on in our business. And so many small agencies are being bought or aggregated together with other businesses and getting great multiples for what they've built. Well, and that's just like too, you know, some of these insure tech carriers Lemonade being one example that come in and they're anti-agent literally with their marketing campaigns are anti-agent and now are appointing agents. All of a sudden, everybody realizes, huh, this, you know, 200 year old industry has a pretty dang good distribution system, especially when that agent has that relationship that's going to lead. And I know the actuaries have it worked out and they know exactly how much longer that customer is going to stay with that carrier if they're with an agent versus would they buy it direct? And they're like, oh, we're going to get three more years out of this relationship just because that agent is involved. Yeah. The sad part about that is as an agency force, we probably should all reject those carriers that talk bad about us and then they come to us. We've gotten requests from both Lemonade and Hippo to appoint us as agencies. We took the meeting and then pretty much told them we weren't interested. They didn't have a value proposition that was aligned with what we were trying to do in the marketplace. I would agree with that. Well, hell, I mean, I've heard that 60% of 70% of progressives total book of business is through independent agents, but there were years when they ran marketing and advertising campaigns showing the two bumbling idiot agents. Y'all remember yeah. that? I don't yeah, think I they do that, that anymore. Yeah, they don't, they don't do it anymore because they realize that the, uh, the vast majority of their success is coming from an agency distribution partner. That's right. That's right. Hey, Warren, 
I've always wanted to ask you this question, and you have to understand I follow you like crazy ex-girlfriend here, okay? So you never see me, you never hear from me, but I follow everything you do, and I watch you from a distance, and I've been doing it since I started in the insurance industry. But I wanted to talk and ask you a question related to when I first got in the business and I was with Nationwide, you were a Nationwide captive agent and you had offices all over Texas. And as I followed you through those years, all of a sudden I see this switch over to Essential. And I go to your website, my crazy ex-girlfriend, your website, and I'm listening to you do press releases and talk about Essential. And it seemed like at that time that you had made the decision, and you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong, to kind of rotate your fire more towards the financial services sector of the business. And I wanted to find out from you, number one, am I right about that? And number two, what made you, at a time when you you were, I think at that time you were the largest, weren't you the largest nationwide agent in the country? I was, yeah. And it was almost like overnight, because I crazy ex-girlfriend you, I see you switch that to essential and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And to be honest with you, it was from that that I kind of rotated my field of fire too, because my thought was if the largest nationwide agent in the country who has access to the top level management at Nationwide is doing this, there's something to this. Can you speak to that? So behind the scenes, there's a lot of different things that that go on, right? So, you know, when I was probably in 2002, I wrote a pretty good sized white paper about what was wrong with exclusive distribution. You guys have to understand my degrees in distribution. I have a degree from A&M in industrial distribution. Whether you're selling electrical supplies or sandpaper or whatever the wholesale supply is, you work for a manufacturer in that case. For us, we worked for a manufacturer called Nationwide Insurance at that time, and and so we had a mold crisis come into Texas and basically couldn't write any property insurance because of the mold crisis, and I wrote this white paper about, look, we only write one in 10 customers, but we spend all this money advertising. You have to give us the ability to write some of this business someplace else. That eventually led to what we all knew as the I network or the agent choice network or whatever right. it was. I'm not saying I created the I network. I'm saying that Maybe my white paper made them believe that what was going to happen in the marketplace was there. In 2012, I wrote a 28-page white paper about what was wrong with exclusive distribution. And at the time, Steve Rasmussen told me that he he wasn't going to fix it. He was just going to make me an independent agent. That took a long time for us all to get there. He didn't promise me he was going to do that. He didn't give me a contract he was going to do that. It was a conversation between two business people. I took that literally and changed and said, you know what, I'm not gonna be able to count on using that brand, I'm gonna have to create my own brand. And that's what the switch that you saw, Scott, was from those conversations. And one of the reasons I think our our show is so successful is Scott and I were both captive agents when we started the show, and we've interviewed a lot of thought leaders in the captive space. Um, So we do have the largest largest percentage of independent agents, but we do have a percentage of captive agents, so I don't wanna- Leave them out. Yeah. but in your opinion, what do you think is the biggest issue with the exclusive distribution? And what do you think today? And what do you think is the biggest issue with it back when you wrote the white paper? Yeah, the biggest issue, 
and this is a, a phenomenon across all kinds of distribution systems, whether you're, again, selling electrical supplies or whatever. And I'll give you an example. Allen Bradley or Rockwell Automation is a, is a company in the electrical dis distribution world. They are an exclusive uh, distributor or manufacturer. If you have a contract to represent them, it's my understanding that if you sell a product into somebody else's territory, that distributor gets paid. All right, that's exclusive distribution, right? And when we all started with Nationwide, they kind of had one channel, this uh, agencies, and then they started selling to independent agents. They bought Allied Insurance. They started selling direct. They really bastardized their system, and it was no longer exclusive. So the value proposition to the distributors is not there the way it used to be because other people could do it. So State Farm has stuck true to their model of being exclusive, right? You can't get State Farm except from a State Farm agent. And that's the value of having a State Farm agency. Yeah, there's limitations if they can't write everything. And those guys that are listening to this call understand their limitations. But the power of having the State Farm brand, the power of being exclusive has value, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so what the disadvantage is, is, is companies see, they start getting greedy and see both sides of the fence, right? And they give up those roots. Then ultimately, they open up too many doors, I believe, and you end up having to become a, a, an independent distributor at that point and, and no longer a, an exclusive distributor. Similar that, to kind of that. some of the things Allstate's doing. Yeah, Allstate's on the same path that Nationwide is on, I believe. I think Farmers is on a similar path just because you're no longer exclusive and therefore mm -hmm. the value to your independent distributors is not what it used to be. Hey, Warren, I feel like Farmers and Allstate are looking at Nationwide and going, Y'all jump in that pool first and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to watch you and see how you do in it. And then yeah. depending on how well you do in it, we may jump in as well. And, you know, for the nationwide agents that are listening that are, that are mad at nationwide because they made a decision, I wouldn't be mad. You should be glad. And I'm not going to give you any raw numbers, but let's just say that I thought my agency was worth 10 when, when I bought it from nationwide to become an independent agent. We had it appraised at that time, and it was worth two times what I thought it was worth. And today it's worth five times what I bought it from Nationwide for. So mm -hmm. we're talking about generational wealth to type dollars that I never, I thought I had a great retirement nest egg before when I let, when I was working with Nationwide. Today I have a business that has generational wealth valuation. Correct? And the thing is, Warren, is you, someone asked me outside of the industry recently about all the M&A activity, and certainly you have more insight than I do. But I said, I think a lot of these big banks have realized how good the residual income is with insurance because it takes you just as long to climb down the mountain as it does for you to climb up. Yeah. You know, some of these big banks can buy an agency and ignore, ignore the heck out of it for 10 years and still be making money off of that. That's right. It's hard to erode the annuity that you've built over time. I mean, you could do some things to make it happen faster, but if you just manage the business, you'll maintain the business. An example I like to give is I have a, a small flood insurance book with FEMA that I bought from a retiring agent and I have to reset the password every time I log into there. The service on it is so, 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 so minute and I think I've had it four years and have, I mean, I'm ashamed to admit we haven't reached out to any of the customers. It was just, he had an older book of business. We yep. decided just to leave it on autopilot. If they needed something, they'd call in, we send them a letter. And I think the retention on it's like 98.7% yeah. or something like that. It's just yeah, great, great, there, great, you know? great purchase on your part, Bradley, and a testament to what the value of the, the book is. And that goes back to why all this PE money is coming in to, to buy these agencies up. Hey, Warren, I'll make all these nationwide agents feel a little bit better today. Okay. Guys, 
before we went independent in July. Quote to bind ratio at iProtect Insurance was somewhere around 25 to 27%. Quote to bind ratio at iProtect Insurance now, since we have every freaking company in the world to quote through, is hovering at about 50%. So that equals more money, equals mm -hmm. more agency evaluation, better valuation. What's bad about that? You know, I, I would tell you that that's a great anomaly, a testament to that your closing ratio is up there. If, you, if you're running in the 50, 60% range, that's best in class in, in an independent agency. Most independent agencies run in about a 25% closing ratio. You owe that closing ratio to Nationwide because it taught you how to sell what you had. And, you know, to the State Farm and all state agents listening, having a narrow focus is actually really good because Scott's a kid in the candy store now, right? It, it's easy yep. to get too many contracts. Then you got to feed all those contracts. You got to make all those carriers happy. You got to know how to make your customers happy when that carrier doesn't perform. If you're a State Farm agent, you know who to call when a claim doesn't get paid. If you're Scott and he's got a brand new relationship with some regional carrier and the claim doesn't get paid, he's got to figure out hey, who am I going to call? Who am I yelling at? What am I getting mm -hmm. done to take care of my customer? There's pluses and minuses to everything. Oh, oh yeah. You oh know? yeah. Exactly right. That's exactly right. I told a new agent the other day, I said, don't go out and get every carrier under the sun. Get you three good auto carriers, three good home carriers, a good commercial lines brokerage because you're not getting any direct contracts right out of the gate and go, go to town. That's, that's the one thing I wish I could change about my agency. And, and unfortunately, we're in a coastal market. So I've got to pretty much have a different carrier for every zip code, it seems like sometimes. But I wish I had two or three. I don't wish I had 40. But I've always said, Scott, that, and we, we didn't talk about it a ton in the beginning because you're kind of still going through the transition. But like, I think Nationwide did the biggest favor ever to those agents by doing that. And I know there were some people that didn't like it and wanted to moan and complain, but those people are going to moan and complain about anything. And there's so many agents out there that wish their carriers would do that. Every single Allstate agent I talk to wishes that Allstate would go, would tomorrow go independent. And to those guys that are listening, I would tell them to be careful what they wish for because I've worked harder in the last five years than I, than I worked in the first 25 years I was in the insurance business, try, trying to reposition the agency to be an independent agent versus being a, I mean, we had 36 storefronts with the nationwide brand on it. So yeah. you know, changing all that was a lot of work. Let me ask you a question, Warren. I had a conversation with an independent agent at a conference a few years ago, and we started talking about expense ratios and profit percentages and things like that. Some of the captive companies teach their agents in training that whatever you bring in, you should profit about 50% of that. Yeah. And the question that came up was from this agent was he said, do you think that it's going to be that high for independence. And I said, well, there's a lot of variables, but you know, my gut reaction is no, I don't think it's going to be quite that high because there's a lot of exclusive companies. You don't have to pay for your CRMs. You don't have to pay for your credit card process. You don't, you know, there's all these little things. I told somebody the other day, I feel like I get $50 to death. In your opinion, what's the gold standard for a profit expense? Yeah, ratio? You know, if you look at a, if you look at best in class based on benchmarking, you know, 30 to 35% EBITDA is world-class. The average is probably 18 to 20%, somewhere in that range. A lot of guys run it a lot lower just because they're, they've got a lot of other things stuck in the business. You know, they want an executive assistant, but they really can't justify having an executive assistant, if that makes sense financially. So, that, you know, somebody else, you know, the three of us went in and looked at me and say, well, she's got to go because she doesn't, 
She doesn't do anything but make your life easier. It's, she's not adding anything to the bottom line. But th those are the numbers. And yes, the one thing you're going to learn as an independent agent versus an exclusive agent is your profit margin is going to drop from 50% or 45% or maybe 40% if you're spending a lot of money on growth or something to 20 or 25%. But to Scott's point, you're going to close a lot more business. So you have to kind of weigh those two things and you got to make sure you have enough volume to pay that that, that volume increase is going to pay for the reduction in margin to cover the cost of those employees that you got to put in place. I got that lesson pretty early on from uh, Ray Saladinas when those guys in Florida went early from Nationwide. I think they went independent in 2005 or six. He told me, man, his expense ratio skyrocketed when he became an independent agent. Yep. I've seen that here in our office with all the new technology that we're having to purchase and some other things that we're doing now. And I think that was probably something that a lot of people maybe didn't put as much stock in or think about as much on the front end. And once they got in it, they were like, oh boy, here we yeah. go. And I think that to Bradley's point, to control your expense ratio, don't get very many carriers. If you have two or three stable carriers and maybe a wholesaler, you can go out and get to place it. But it's better to sometimes just close your folder and not write the business because the cost to maintain that business on a commercial account or something may be, it, you know, it may seem like it's a lot of revenue that's coming in, but it may cost you more than you, you have coming in to, to cover the expense of managing that account for the customer. Well, and we need to get to a point in the industry where agents stop bragging about premium growth and start bragging about revenue. Yeah. <laughs> premium growth tells 10% of the story. Well, you know, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting concept and that comes out of exclusive distribution because that's what the carriers eat. The carriers eat premium. And I always, I've been saying this since the day I got in the business 30 years ago, I would argue that I can't eat premium nationwide. I can only eat commissions. And it used to crack me up because I get a phone call at Christmas time saying, hey, can you sell a $100,000 single premium policy for me? I need it. And I think, okay, that pays 4%. I'd rather sell a $1,000 a month UL or VUL that I'm going to get paid $12,000 on. I mean, right. it's the same amount of work, but I get four grand for doing the $100,000 policy and I get 12 grand or 15 grand for doing the, the smaller policy. So, oh yeah, yeah, I've gotten that phone call before too. By the way, yeah, all of us have. Everybody in the industry gets that phone call from a sales manager or a market manager or whatever, wanting because that, and that's because carriers eat premium and they don't understand that there's always this differential or this uh, working at odds or cross purposes between the carriers and the agencies because the agencies eat margin and the carriers eat top line. Hey, Warren, I've had it on my heart for the past month to really focus this podcast more. Because our mission on this podcast every week is to help insurance agents in any way we can. And we want to slowly row the boat to the lighthouse and help them move their agency one step forward to greatness. That's kind of our hallmark here. And I told you before we got on this podcast, I really want to start focusing more on sales. And you are one of the best salespeople that I've ever seen. You come from a a group of men and some women that guys like Mark Vitale and Randy Jones and Jim Lloyd, I mean, these guys are just titans. I mean, they've got millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars in business. But what I'd like to do with you today is Bradley and I have spent so much time hammering all of our listeners about hiring great people. You got to hire great people. I think we beat that horse to death. If they're not going to listen to it, they're not going to listen to it. But let's talk about sales. 
And I want to start because you're one of the top guys in the industry in sales and understanding that sales process. Can we go all the way back to something I heard you talking about yesterday and start with lead generation and what you would do or what you do do in your agencies today with all the technology we have in terms of lead gen? Yeah. So the first thing I will tell you is that, you know, we own a little consulting firm and we, we've consulted in, in at least a thousand independent and exclusive agencies over the years. And we've been in most of the Fortune 100 and a lot of regional carriers to help them with their distribution strategy and things of that nature. And what we've learned in that process is that agencies that manage their pipeline grow, agencies that don't manage their pipeline shrink. And I know it's very easy, and I, I hear people tell me all the time, well, I'm getting this new software or whatever, and I want to grab them by the face mask like Coach Cheryl used to do to me and say, God damn it, no. Right. You can do it with tick marks. How many phone calls, and, and we still run our business to this day to 100 contacts a month. A producer's got to meet 100 people. They got to get 50 X dates, and they got to have 25 selling appointments. Mm. And if we manage to that activity, it drives the activity. Because your closing ratio, Scott's going to apply to it. Warren, say that one more time. I want sure. you to tell our listening audience what your expectations are of your people at Essential every month. I want to hear that one more time. A hundred contacts, and a contact is not a business card you pick up at the donut shop with the other 17 business cards that are stacked up on the counter. A contact is, I got a story. Guy's name is Scott Howell. He's got two kids. He lives in Huntsville. But, you, know, you know something about the individual. You've got the contact, and then you, you get half of those people to tell you when their insurance expires and who they're with, and you get 25 people to meet with you. And when you're in the business a year, you ought to have 1,200 names in your database. You ought to have 600 X dates. You ought to have something to work on then every month by following up with these people that you met the first year. Okay. I'm a new agent at Essential, and I sit down with one of your agency managers or yourself, yep. and you're telling them that. You're showing them that on paper. And I say back to you, well, how do I get 100 contact? Do you want me to... Just so go out and we, we encourage them to build what we call a multifaceted marketing program, right? And you know, that process is is you might write on a on a chalkboard or that board behind Bradley at his in his office there that he's sitting in front of right now. All the things, you know, I could do a newspaper ad, I could do a billboard, I could do all these different things. You're gonna write hundreds of things on there and you need to narrow that down to, you know, maybe seven or ten things that you're actually gonna do. I'm gonna cold call. And believe me, believe it or not, walking in business's front door still works like it worked 200 years ago. It works better today because they want to talk to somebody and we call it the throwdown or sample proposals. Maybe it's dry cleaners. So identify the dry cleaners within a five mile area of your office, make a sample proposal for a dry cleaner, walk in and say, hi, my name's Scott Howell. I got a great program for dry cleaners uh, is the owner in and, and just work that until you get the person to talk to you uh, about their dry cleaner shop. Right. So, so we're, we're doing that. Scott's working for you and he's doing all the right things. He's keeping his funnel full. He writes the dry cleaner down the street, built a relationship. We know each other now. He wasn't real happy with his insurance agent. Anyway, I write that business. What is the expectation from Warren Barhorst relative to what happens when that policy is sold? and the, the activities that go on you know, immediately so after that. You know, 
we're kind of cowboys in this space. So we centralized our service a long time ago and we use a team approach to managing that account afterwards. We classify it in three buckets, consultations, complex questions, and transactions. We educate our client when we meet them that look, my job as your account manager, executive or, or agent is I am responsible to have consultations with you. I'm available to come back out to your business, to come to your kitchen table, to meet you in my office, to have a consultation. I have a team of people, in, in our case, we have the, the team has over a thousand years of insurance experience backing me up. They're there for complex questions. You know, your kid's turning 15 and you wanna know whether they need to, to add to the policy, or they're getting their driver's license, you're getting divorced, whatever the issue might be, I've got a team of people that's there from about seven in the morning till seven o'clock at night because we're covering East Coast and West Coast that can answer that phone call for you and take that deal. And then transactions, we're gonna send them to our portal on our automation system. We're gonna send them to Safeco or Travelers or Nationwide to their, to their portal so they can pay their bill, get their ID card, so they don't call us with those things that, that don't any, add any value to, to what we do for them. Gotcha. So I tell those clients, look, if this is too complicated for you to remember, just call me and I'll steer you in the right direction. Right. And Scott, I, I want to talk to them, right? They call me, hey, what's going on? I bought a new Tesla. Cool. Can I drive it? You know, Bradley, right. can I see it? I have that kind of relationship conversation with them. Then I say, hold on a minute. Let me see who at the office can take care of getting this put on your policy. So now we move into the next phase. And I'm going to say this about Bradley. That was one thing I think he probably taught me after we started doing the podcast together three years ago was he used the words setting the expectation. Same word you used a few minutes ago when you're talking about that agent setting that expectation with the service team so that they're not on the phone six hours a day answering service calls and questions and it allows them to go out and kill new business. Yeah, that's exactly right. In the first book, I call that the insurance agency treadmill, right? You get to a certain point and I learned this pretty early in my career. About three years in, I went home to my wife and said, man, we've made a huge mistake. I'm a glorified CSR. I hate this job. I'm going back to corporate America and Lisa's the one who encouraged me to look at the business different and hire people to do that work so that I could stay doing what I like doing. But back to this expectation thing, uh, I wrote about it in the second book. There's another book that I wrote called Game Plan, the definitive playbook for selling in the connection culture. I call it the purpose, promise, performance conundrum. And the, the purpose is what the customer is looking for. The promise is what you say you're going to do. And your performance is, is that if your purpose, if your promise resonates with the customer's purpose, they'll come talk to you. You sell them something. And then if you perform at that level, they're happy, right? They, they, you've right. met their expectations. I like to use the airline industry as an example. Delta stands for doesn't ever leave Terminal A. <laughs> you know, I've flown back from the Turks and Caicos. I was down there for an insurance conference. They took me off the airplane in Atlanta. My luggage was on the new plane, but there's, I had no seat. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? You can sit here in the airport, right? But their tagline is ready when you are, the sky's the limit you know, all kinds of bullshit that they can never deliver. But right. you compare them to Southwest Airlines, Southwest Airlines never promises anything. It's bags fly free. They don't tell you it's going to be a good experience. They just tell you what it is. So you guys as, as agents out there, listen to your staff because they're telling people, I'll call you right back. And I'll get that to you in a minute. Think of the way we talk. And that's not a set of expectations. You could ask the client, hey, is it okay if I get this? to you tomorrow morning and then do it early 
And then they're, they're like, wow, I, they told me to be tomorrow morning. I got it before close of business the same day. These guys are great. And that was something that early on in my career, I would say the first five years of my career that I was really guilty of, of making the mistake of being talking to somebody on the phone and saying, I'll call you right back. Well, right back really meant two hours from now, because when I hung up the phone with you, three other people called. And I'll be honest with you, Warren, that's something I still struggle with today. Yeah. Is I will catch myself on the phone and I have to consciously think about it before I say, Hey, I'll get you this quote tomorrow. And then all of a sudden I remember, Oh, wait, my son's got a something tomorrow and I'm, I'm not going to be in the office. So it's good. And, and it's something I've had to really work on. We all have to monitor it. It's in our human nature to be cordial and nice. And as sales purple, we want to please people, salespeople, we want, to, we want to please people. So that's what happens. So. Setting expectations is so important in this industry. Like I think about every time I've had a pissed off client, I think setting proper expectations would have solved it in the initial phase. But I'm going to bust Scott's balls here for a second. My Please. favorite thing that Scott does is when you call him, he'll say, hey, man, I can only talk for a few minutes. What's up? And the next thing you know, you've been on the phone an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I'm guilty of that as well. That's because he's a people pleaser, right? He's he a sales guy, man. That, he's yeah. going to sit there and charm you and sell you. And the next thing you know, he hey. and I are having this like great philosophical conversation that should be a podcast and should be kept on record forever. You know, you know how you, when you come home and your wife's foot's tapping, right? She's, you know, she's like tapping oh, yeah. her, her little, uh, I know it's because I'm two hours late. I haven't been doing anything nefarious. It's just that I've been uh, on the telephone with somebody talking about nothing, probably. I think you live at my house, Warren. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. That's, that's a, weekly event at our house is yeah. I'll be walking in the door and she's like, what, you know, what, where you been? Well, you know, all these phone calls. And, uh, last thing I'll ask you about relative to kind of that sales process is something that a lot of agencies, including ours struggle with renewals. I know you well enough to know based on kind of how your brain works that y'all probably got that figured out over there. So, I don't know, we've got to figure it out, but our sales process is called best company first, right? And I built that a long time ago, way back in the early 2000s. And we introduced to our client as part of setting expectations up front, this idea of these are the categories or the things we look at when we select a carrier for your business. The first thing being capacity for risk. Does this carrier have capacity? Can they write this risk? And we all know that some carriers don't write coastal. They don't do this because they might ask you, I want pure insurance. And you're going to say, well, pure won't write your house because it's, it's within a thousand feet of the, of the coast or whatever the issue is, right? So does that company have capacity for risk? Second thing we look at is do they have good coverage scope? So is their contract worthy of paper it's written on? Their financial strength, are they Demotech rated or AM best rated or, you know, what's going on there? Admitted versus non-admitted, mutual versus stock customer experience or uh, ease of doing business, whatever you want to call it, claim service, our relationship with that carrier, and then price. So back to Brad's questions a minute ago, Bradley's questions a minute ago, I was basically saying, you know, so when I meet with a, a new client and I show them that's our selection criteria, and I say, look, if we go through this whole process and we find out that Travelers, who you're with right now, is the best carrier for the situation, are you going to make me the agent? Right. If they say no, Scott, you know what I do? 
What's that? I leave. Because all I'm doing is working for free at that point. I'm right. just trying to quote or whatever. So if they haven't bought my value proposition, if they're that means they're just looking for a better price, not a better solution. It's just not worth wasting your time. You just need to close your folder and get up and go because you're going to back to your expense ratio. You'll go back and hire people to quote all that business and you, your closing ratio will be 10%. Mm. I've heard you talk a lot on different videos that you've done. A couple of videos I heard you talk about talking to prospects about what insurance is versus what it does. Yeah. So our whole industry is talking about what it is and the consumers don't understand that. The best example, simple example I can give everybody on the phone is if you ask a group of 23 year olds just out of college, do you want to buy renter's insurance? The answer is no. Right. But if you ask them a different question, you know, and this is how you have to talk to them sometimes. If your shit burned last night, because your dumbass neighbor was smoking weed and burnt the apartment down, right? Would you want us to replace your stuff? Right. And then you tell them, you know, I can do that for about 50 cents a day. Would you buy the policy? Yes. I don't know that there's ever been a better example in the world than that. I'm yeah. going to use that in a Facebook yeah. ad tomorrow. <laughs> Warren, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today. I know you're up against the time, you know, two o'clock and, You've got a thousand different things to do, but I hope that in the future you will come back on. I, I, I would be honored to come back on. You guys have me back on and we'll talk about a couple of things. We'll talk about word of mouth influence. It's so strong today with the noise that's on the internet. Word of mouth influence is stronger today than it ever was. We've got a pretty intentional process on how to build that. I'll share that with you. I stole that from the, the folks at Wharton, Pennsylvania. And then we'll talk about JD Power 60 and access, as I call it. So have me back whenever you want, Scott. I'd be happy to be here. I'm afraid it's going to be sooner rather than later. Bradley, you got anything else before I let them go? I think this is one of my favorite episodes that we've done simply because there was a lot of actionable information. That tends to be our MO is, is no fluff, all action. So we just, we greatly appreciate you coming on and it's a good one. It's an honor to be here. And I'll, I'll share one more tidbit with you guys and, and gals. When you're finishing the sale up on your next uh, personal lines customer or commercial customer, just kind of sit back in your chair and say, you know, I've, I've been, we've taken care of all this stuff. I've just got one last question for you. If you died in a car wreck on the way home from work tonight, what's your plan? Their response is going to be, well, I have life insurance at work or I've got life insurance and say, I didn't ask you if you had life insurance. I asked you what your plan is. What's going to happen to your kids? And they'll say something like, oh, I'm giving them to my sister or, or whatever and, and say, well, is there a document that says that? Because if there isn't, it won't happen. Does your sister know? Is your sister broke? Can your sister feed her two kids and your three kids and take them to t-ball practice and all that? Take that conversation from around what it is, life insurance, to what it does, all those things, those questions, and you watch what happens to your life sales on those multi-line clients like that. So. Good luck, everybody. It was great being on the show. Have me back anytime you want, Scott. Bradley. I appreciate you, Warren. Hey, guys, listen to me. As I always end the show, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big, bad world and build relationships. Make money for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, for your parents that are struggling out there. Figure out your why. Go out there use common sense, learn this industry backwards and forwards, and use a lot of the things that Warren talked about today 
and tomorrow you will be a better insurance agent. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Warren. Bye, guys. See y'all. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.